you. Ah, now. About to witness. Be awesome. Crushing a might of the U Gene S Robinson Show. Robinson. Aha. Coronavirus, COVID-19, quarantine, the hell with me. It's all Johnny Boney Joni all the time. That's a keyhole through which we understand everything up to and including it having to do with fuck up a tune. But first the words from Bob Riley, stigmata. The record is called Calling of the Just. The song is called Intro, All of Nothing. Still available from Revelation Records, based in Huntington Beach, California, where they shoot you to death in a nightclub or hit your car with a hammer. Buy it for the whole record instead of just a 30-second bumper. Until then, listen very well, brother. Bob's going to sing us in like he has since 2007 to the words that somehow say it all. But I could not see so clear, but I'm taking a real good look at you. I'm taking a real good look at your face. So being paid back and forth, always nothing. Yeah, welcome, my friends, seemingly to a show that never ends. Uh, uh, okay, um, uh, let's see. Is, is uh, Blevin Flip Monk, you got anything you want to say? Before I start getting into the show proper, I don't like you interrupting, but I don't mind you having your say. You play your cards right. I'll even give you a number so you can call in during the show and 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 have your say. You can block your number if you want to get, continue to conceal your identity from me. You can even use one of those mafia voice changers. Speaking of which, I tweeted out my piece uh, that when I interviewed uh, Bruce Cutler, John Gotti's uh, uh, mouthpiece, his defense attorney, and I tweeted it out. Put it up on Instagram and uh, put it on Facebook. You should read it. it. I've been watching Better Call Saul, and it, I, I stole that title before I'd even seen it for Better Call Bruce, a play on that somehow. Now that I've seen Better Call Saul, I realize that they are fundamentally very different characters, but it seemed apropos, so I reposted it. It was from a couple of years ago. I like. Let it be said, I like the guy. So if you have a problem with that, then don't read the piece. Otherwise, read the piece. But uh, uh, Blevin... Flip Monk? No, not, not. All right. Well, we're going to do some commercials. I'll give you a few minutes to get in. Maybe you could call. We'll put you on the show. You can tell everybody why I suck and the manner in which specifically I suck. I'm glad to go public with uh, news of my suckertude because this show is about all of it. News uh, news and views uh, from top to bottom. But first, uh, Pinko95014. Pinko95014. Uh, at yahoo.com is a PayPal. If in this time, if in the Seattle times of for potential total cataclysm, if you feel like giving your last little bit of cash to uh, to the old man, feel free. Glad to take it. Patreon.com slash the stomper. I posted all the old shows up to including last week. So I should be current. Oh, my chest hurts. My lungs. Could this be it? Uh, let's hope not. Um, I posted all the shows, so patreon.com slash the stomper. 
That's it for the commercials. Uh, what did I want to show you? Oh, my God. Now I'm already getting sidetracked. Oh, I want to show you this uh, to explain to you where I've been and what I've been doing. And the show is early, but I've been talking already for two hours. What have you been talking about, Mr. Eugene? Well, I'll, I'll show you. It's right here. A new podcast that comes again live and uh, uh, it's rebooting in about two weeks. And I'm going to hold it up and show you. It's called, hold on, there we go. It is called that right there. Take a look at that. Take a screenshot of that. Conversations for adults. Conversation for adults. It was, uh, I'll read it to you. Culture critic Jimmy Israel rediscovers America by talking to people you may or may not know about everything. What comes up comes out. Lots of fun, no filter. And uh, uh, he, he's interviewed so far. Yofrika, the drag queen with a porno mustache. Uh, um, uh, Lathan Bennett, whose mother was a gangster. Fayola Shakes. And Rhonda Ch Crowder, who used to work for Don King. So uh, in a few weeks, I'll post it out. Uh, it's on Stitcher. Right there. Jimmy Israel. I-Z is Conversations for Adults. I expected it to be a 10-minute show. Ended up going two hours. So it talks about stuff that I actually haven't touched on here because, or ever, if that's possible to believe, just because it didn't seem appropriate. But again, impossible to believe. But he questioned it and has known me for about 16 years. So it's an interesting take. In a couple of weeks, I'll tweet it out. You could sign up, maybe get notified about it before then. Anyway, uh, I reminded of when uh, Mr. Paul Rubens, a.k.a. Pee Wee Herman, got uh, uh, busted back in the 90s, I believe, uh, for masturbating in a public movie theater. Uh, unbeknownst to some of you younger members of the audience, there had been a time when it, it, you would go to a porno movie theater. The one that I went to was called Variety Photo Plays. Noteworthy because it's the one where Jodie Foster first, they played around with location in New York, but it's where Jodie Foster first attempted to jump in Travis Bickle, well, I can't get it, Robert De Niro's cab in Taxi Driver. It was a variety photo place. It used to be a vaudeville place. Then it was like a, 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 a normal theater. And then probably in 70, 74, 75, it started showing adult features. You could see a double feature all day, never leave for 50 cents. God damn it, that makes me sound old. It was cheap even back then in 76, 77, 78 and guaranteed that you had a steady retinue of rummies, drunks, and degenerates. We would have to we'd play hooky from, not really hooky from high school, because I was a good kid, never cut high school. But if we had some time with 50 cents, we could scrounge 50 cents. Oh, forget it, bro. You bought a newspaper. It was 50 cents to get in and like 10 cents for the New York Post and Daily News. And you take that shit in with you and you put it out in the seats because there was semen flying. The first time I ever saw another, one man fillet another man, it was two old, drunk, rummy, homeless cats at Variety Photo Plays on, on uh, 3rd Avenue. Was it 14th Street right there? Hey, a child is what he learns. <laughs> and, yeah, unfortunately. And, uh, and also transgendered uh, uh, prostitutes who were also homeless and rummies would come in and they'd go and work the bathrooms and they would essentially sit in the stalls and suck off uh, a steady uh, succession of homeless people for dollars. Uh, I don't know. I never went in the bathroom. The, the closest I came was a guy that came up to me and says, hey, want a cigarette? I look up at him. I go, no, nah, I don't smoke. He goes, huh, you got a cigarette? And I got, I got it. But you know what? I told him I didn't smoke. <laughs> so, uh, or, so I like, fuck off, bro. And then the guy like sits down next to me and says, you're going to have to move. Can't have you sitting behind me. This is me at 15. Also known as the good old days. Exactly. Exactly right. I don't know how I got to talking about variety photo plays. I don't know how, how that was significant in the flow of the story. Uh, um, <laughs> uh, uh, oh, 
so Paul Rubens, I, I came back to it. Paul Rubens actually went to such like theater uh, to watch a pornographic film. You got to understand the context, though, because people will, who weren't alive back then will say, well, of course, if you want to masturbate to pornography, you either had to buy magazines or had to go to one of these such theaters to masturbate. But at the point where Paul Rubens got busted, there were already quarter movies like uh, Root Boy Slim and the Sex Change Band sang about quarter movies on my mind. It is where I spend all my time. <laughs> Bookstore man smiles when I come in. Give me my dollar bill change with a treacherous grin. I have back to my favorite spot in that quarter movie row. I know it's two dimensional, but it's the only thing I know. That's a direct quote. Uh -huh. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 yeah. YouTube is not to be trusted. Hit that, hit that little ding dong bell in the top right corner so it notifies you. I don't know what's going on with that, but uh, YouTube has been fucking me pretty steadily and pretty regularly anyway. So, um, so, so there were quarter movies were already a thing. Quarter movies were already a thing, and by the time Paul Rubens had gotten busted in the theater, VCRs were a thing as well. So you could buy pornography and go home and and masturbate to three, not 3D, but you know what I mean, a, 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 a video images of people having sexual contact. You didn't have to go to a theater. And yet he did. Pee Wee Herman, Paul Rubens went to a theater to masturbate in Los Angeles. Don't know why. Maybe it's the same reason why I hung out with Wendy Whoppers on Thanksgiving of 1989. I was lonely. Maybe that was why. Don't look her up, Wendy Whoppers. <laughs> I don't know why I mentioned that. Anyway. Yes. <laughs> Root boy. I'm here with the sex change band. They don't know what they're doing. So he gets busted in the theater. And then, you know, he says, fuck, I got to deal with this. PR, if the shoes fit. In 1993 style or whenever it was, he got busted. He appears on David Letterman. And people clap and they cheer and he comes out and he's dressed as Pee Wee Herman. And the first thing he says is he sits down on Letterman's chair and Letterman's looking at him like, this is going to be great. This is his first interview after he got busted as Paul Rubens masturbating in the movie theater. And he says, he sits down and he goes, heard any good jokes lately? Because people were like Pee Wee, Pee Wee Herman, busting the theater. And Letterman had a great perspective on it. He goes, hey, at least you don't have to wear that gray suit for the rest of your life. Which Pee Wee Herman kind of laughed and made a face. And then he did a couple of movies. He did Blow. He did a couple of movies. And now he's back to the suit. But he had a point, And this is where it dovetails with Johnny Boney Joni's story. Let me, let me, let's go back a little bit. Let's go back to me waking up on, uh, on that morning. And right away, I'm, I'm just going to read you what I got. Uh, so I wake up, and I'll tell you, at 7.26 a.m. on Thursday morning, I have a, uh, a text, and it says, I'm not going to give the guy's name. Maybe he doesn't want his name given. This is what I just heard out of Albuquerque, unconfirmed. Jay Jones got arrested last night for uh, aggravated DWI, negligent use of a firearm, open container, and no insurance, shooting off rounds downtown. You may want to check with your spies. That's 726 on Thursday morning. And then we have jokes, and he goes, oh, call a 7-Eleven guy straight away. And I write back, Mini Mart dudes, assemble! And uh, then it was by 9.52 that day, it was confirmed. Confirmed, as it, everybody knows it was. So then in the interim, now, if, if those of you on the Twitter machine, you're listening and everybody's like, oh, he, we, could, we could, like Pascal's wager, we could take the grid and, have, and quarter it up, and we can have outraged, never liked him, piece of shit, fuck him. You go, always liked him, outraged, have given up on him. Uh, uh, lo loved him, not, not, not that big of a deal. 
And then the fourth category, what about Connor McRapist? <laughs> I know I kind of broke out of the Pascal Wagers thing, but, but, but that's pretty much how they fell, right? Now, naturally, any opportunity to talk about Ireland, Irish, Connor McNuggets, and anal rape, I'm going to take. But I have a more nuanced take on Johnny Boney Joni because, uh, because, uh, because of what I feel like is a special connection with him, up to and including an interview I did. I was in Marfa, Texas in 2014 and uh, uh, talked to Malky, and then I interviewed Johnny Boney Joni for a piece for V Magazine, which for a long time I thought was men's vogue, but I'm not entirely sure now. I stopped paying attention when the check came. You can look it up. It's online. There's a nice photo spread of Johnny Boney Joni. You type his name into my name, V Magazine. Whether it was owned by, whether it was Men's Vogue or not, I don't, I'm not clear at this point. So people like Eugene, well, hey, Mr. Robinson, what do you guys say about this? What you, you know, and, and I was like, well, first of all, I wasn't going to address it at all. I really wasn't because it's like if if I get a porterhouse steak and bring it home and cook it up and uh, put it on the plate and then put that plate on the floor and then go out and do something and I have a dog, I fully expect to come back and the dog will have eaten my porterhouse steak. In order for, for my dog to override thousands of years of, of genetic pat patterning regarding porterhouse steaks, I will have had to bring to bear such an incredible level of terror, fear, and hysteria that all that dog sees when it sees a porterhouse steak is, is fear, terror, and hysteria. Otherwise, that steak is gone. I've had a cat steal a rack of ribs from the kitchen table when I was eight years old. Ran through that whack when, of course, I was eating meat. Ran through the house with the, the rack of ribs. I, that cat had not a single possibility of world in the world of eating that entire rack of ribs, and yet it had to do it. In the same way, Johnny Boney Joni busting off shots in front of a strip club at 2.30 in the morning. <laughs> you know, and then some people were like, there was a what about eat me-ism. In that fourth category, in that fourth quadrant up here, it's like uh, uh, Huey said, ah, "I like my rock star. I like my rock stars to act like rock stars and to fuck up. You know, nobody's anus was raped. You know, nobody was murdered. Uh, you know, a little acting out. What is this? Oh, we're suddenly all choir boys. Um, and 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 I and I'm not I'm not 100. I retweeted that, but I'm not 100 percent aligned with that." Well, first, so so I wasn't going to talk about it because it seemed to me like to do a whole show on the wetness of water or the or the or the, or the hotness of heat. It just seemed like to be pointless, really pointless. But then, then I wanted to. I, I thought about teachable moments, and I thought this is an example whereby I can show that um, I, I I can I can I can display some sort of uh, fellowship with the the butthurt Irish who who uh, who were who were who were giving me the oh the uh, due diligence you know the the innocent till proven guilty uh, thing in regards to Conor McRapist. Uh because I've not been I wouldn't call myself a Johnny Boney Joni apologist, but I have been a supporter. And there's a difference. There's a difference. There is a difference. I'm a supporter, not an apologist. Like Slick Rick once said, I didn't make the laws, but they make sense to my ass. <laughs> so, uh, so I felt like, okay, I, I, I got a comment to show I don't play favorites. I mean, you know, uh, maybe, yeah, maybe fanboy. I, I don't know that I would really consider my consider myself that, because he, he's fallen short of the platonic triad of true, beautiful, and good in my mind. He's not the he, the reason why we like sports 
you know, because of reaching into this realm of eternal ideas and making manifest in a cage this kind of, of greatness is clearly not something that he's about. So we're going to talk about it. And the first thing I thought that was noteworthy and the last thing anybody wants to be, and I go back to something that Gloria Steinem, of all people, said. She said, listen, most men live in mortal fear of being made fun of by their women. And I don't know where she got that fun, got that fun fact from. Uh, you know, I, I do not live in mortal fear of being made fun of by my woman who makes fun of me with regularity. <laughs> I, she, she's laughing now. <laughs> this, is not, this is not a mortal, mortal concern of mine. It doesn't bother me. If it's amusing, I like it. You know, if it's mean spirited, I don't like it. If it's amusing, I like it. But then Gloria Steinem goes on to say, but most women live in mortal fear of being murdered by their men. Right. But then I start to think there is I don't know any single person up to and including any single man who's got a healthy mindset. And a, a properly ensconced uh, 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 sense of esteem. Uh, uh, <laughs> she had uh, Stacy. She had a chicken steal her steak. Exactly. But I don't know anybody who's any male person or anybody who's got a healthy sense of self-esteem who likes being a punchline. Comedians love it if they're in control of themselves as the punchline. You ever try to make fun of a comedian? You ever try to make a comedian? This is what hecklers try to do. They try to make comedians the punchline. Comedians are like, I make myself the punchline. You don't do it. You don't do It's an act of war. Like, I touch my penis, but if I don't know you and you attempt to touch my penis, you're in trouble. Well, even if I know you and you attempt to touch my penis, you're in trouble. Unless I've said specifically, go ahead, touch my penis. Comedy shows are extended versions of go ahead and touch my penis. I am willing to make myself uh, for your, a figure of fun for your amusement because I get paid for this. Take my wife, please. I tell you, I don't get no respect. Oh, Joe game. Well, <laughs> Brandon Schaub is no kind of comedian, bro. But at the same time, I'm guessing he became a fighter to a certain degree because he wanted to be taken seriously on a certain level that precludes being treated like a punchline. Punchline. Johnny Boney Joni is a fucking punchline now. I'm sorry for the use of the word now because he has stepped into a rare... We don't even have a name for this. It's not... It's not what do you call it? Lost Battalion when you are the punchline. A perpetual punchline. PPL. That's it. The only corollary, people like, and they use the rock, the rock idiom to say, that, to, to make some measure of, excuse me, of Johnny Boney Joni. The only corollary is Sly Stone. Supremely, supremely talented, a, a musical genius by any measure. A string of hits to last the ages, stand the test of time crippling drug problems that beset him starting in the 60s and continued through. Last time I read about dude, he was living in an RV somewhere. Easily ripped off by everybody, copied by everybody, from Lenny Kravitz to Prince to a certain degree, Sly Stone. You know, in that fancy private school that I went to for elementary school, they didn't give report cards. They used to give evaluation reports. And in these evaluation reports, they would talk about the classes and what you took. And one thing kept, kept coming up in mind again and again and again. Doesn't work up to his potential. Why? Well, because I was always talking. <laughs> I'm not, 
I know it's hard to believe. It's hard to believe, right? I was always talking. So I finished my work class. Da, 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 da. I thought I was a great student. And the record bears out that I was a great student. I got into good schools. I scored high on tests. But I wasn't working up to my potential. Sly Stone. Hit after hit after hit. Made tons of money. Blew it all on cocaine. Still alive. Fighting over the rights to his music. Sly Stone for years was a punchline. Um, TV shows like Mike Douglas, Dick Cavett. And they would joke about Sly Stone. Joke. Joke about Sly Stone. And you sometimes think, well, public figures, they got to be used to it. They're putting themselves out there. They, you, you know, uh, there was a show called The Gong Show. And Chuck Barris was the host of The Gong Show. Then he's written a book and they made a movie with Sam Rockwell about how he was also a, a, a spy. He worked for the CIA and the Mossad. And so, I, you know, he's out there contract killing people. I, I don't know if that's true or not. Whatever. I do know he was coked up in the 70s. And that show was a pan to, to being caught. Everybody was caught. You have to see some of these shows. So like go Casey and the Sunshine Band, some of these live shows where the performers are clearly coked. Keep in mind, people didn't know Coke was bad early on. Coked out of their fucking minds. I got your, your boogie thing. And they're put. Sly Stone became a punchline. Sam, uh, uh, Sam, Sam uh, Chuck Barris became a punchline. A big punchline for all. There's the, the Cabot, Mike Douglas, but it stung the most coming from Johnny Carson. And in his dotage before he died, he talked about it. And he's like, I'll never forgive it. He didn't like being the butt. That was a funny show. That was a funny, crazy, ribald show, the gong show. The unknown comic was being my favorite. And of course, Gene, Gene, the dancing machine. So Chuck Barris would come out in the funny hats. He knew it was goofball. But again, the comedian likes to control a punchline, not be the punchline. And he didn't like being Johnny Carson's punchline. Hurt his feelings. He didn't like it. Johnny Boney Joni is a punchline like Sly Stone forever and ever. Five years from now, two years from now, this is, this is a reputational issue. I mean, this is what, what credit what credit cards have done and a lot in a really fucked up sense. They give an 18-year-old a credit card. I got my first credit card when I showed up to Stanford. Uh, 18 years old, they were telling me my credit limit was $300. Started permanent life, uh, 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 permanent life uh, 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 debt starter kit. Permanent. Never get rid of it. I mean, at least now I'm in debt over things that make sense, like the house th that I'm in or the car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Johnny Boney Joni is in perpetuity. Permanent punchline, a PPL. And if you think it doesn't rankle, it does. But this fits a cycle. Somebody once told me, he doesn't believe that people are really addicted to anything, alcohol, drugs. He thinks that they're addicted to guilt. I remember telling a friend of mine who I wrote about him on, on code, at Code. And when he OD'd on heroin four times in a row. He was told me he was trying to kill himself with heroin. I go, well, it's not the right decision for me, but whatever. I'm, I'm not going to stop you. I don't want to be in that position of having to keep you from running off the cliff lest I fall off the cliff. You want to go? Go. But he actually did go. So kind of shock, shock to me. I told him one day, why don't you just stop taking crack? He, he went on heroin, but crack was a problem. Why don't you just stop taking it? He starts screaming at me. It's not that easy. And I go, oh, they're easy. Well, calm down. Relax. It's British kid. Relax. But it dawned on me that he was not really ever guilty. He, he could have stopped. The drugs were were instrumental. What he was really guilty about, what he was really addicted to was this guilt. 
this crawling guilt. And as a, as a son of a minister who I've not known a single one who's not been out of his mind, all in that house, all that house, household of holiness, all that crap. So keep in mind, again, Pascal's wager style. If you're if you're the if you're the offspring of a minister, either you learn that there's there are people who really walk the walk, again, really believe it, a hundred percent believe it, live it, and are exemplar. In which you case you feel you never can live up, really believe it, walk the walk, and exemplar. In which case they encourage you to believe that you can live up and which you live a, a decent life, not full of great notice. That first group is what I suspect that you'll never keep up. Third or fourth category or that you completely reject it. And but reject it, understanding that it is legit or completely reject it, understanding based on what you've seen that you, it's shitty, it's a shitty, scammy business from top to bottom. That's it. Yeah, Holly Holm, Holly Holm, you know, seems seems to be doing doing great. Now she is divorced, and she is spending a lot of time sending me bikini photos, which I don't. I, I have to say I don't appreciate. I've talked about this before. Fighters are fighters, and I understand them singularly through that lens. I understand that female fighters are trying to get have lives outside of fighting. And, you know, like women everywhere, maybe want to be appreciated yeah, for a lot of different. Maybe Holly's husband divorced her. Maybe she's trying to show him. Maybe she who knows? Maybe she's trying to increase her market market marketability. I just don't like when, as it may happen through Instagram or Twitter or Facebook or whatever, these methods of communicating with strangers that I have to see her bikini photos, dancing bikini photos. I, I am now actively, actively avoid this. They have now completely destroyed, have now completely destroyed, destroyed um, uh, what, um, what am I, what, not, not, what am I looking for? Um, they have now completely destroyed sexual display for me. Like some, some singer recently, I don't remember who it was, Said enough, enough with the twerking. Enough. I'm, 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 I don't want to see it. I don't want to see it. And largely, I, you know, like the the hip hop song says, "I'm an animal that Hugh Hefner created." I came. I'm a, a Playboy generation. You know, fathers who were hiding the Playboys in the top shelf in the in the in the workbench in the garage. You had to go. You know. But but I, I find myself fatigued. There's some celebrity, might be C-League celebrity now, and she's like, I'm doing a new challenge, and it's called I'm wearing my thong, and I want all the women who get this to post pictures of them wearing their thong. I don't want to fucking see it. I don't want to fucking see it. Leave me alone. Stop trying to have sexual contact with me by proxy. I don't want it. However, you know, since I, I invented uh, 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 penis photographs, I guess maybe it's just it's just it's just fair. It's just fair. You know, it was a big thing in Europe, but nobody has seen it here in America. I, I brought it over, so I, I kind of I invented it, you know. And I see it badly. It, it, it was misused, aggressively misused, continually misused, and for that I apologize. So maybe this is just just. But uh, now you got me. That's it's a tangent. That's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about. Uh, permanent punchline, Johnny Boney Joni. Now, the degree to which you're comfortable with that is a degree to which you are Pee Wee Hermanize it, and you come out and say, "Hey, heard any good jokes lately?" And in that moment, about oh, you don't have to wear the gray suit. Paul Rubens slash Pee Wee Herman was like, "Yeah, you know, laugh it up, <laughs> laugh it up. Your time will come." And in the case of David Letterman, it most certainly did. He got caught up in that Me Too thing. Part of the reason why he left the show. Aunt cheated on his freaking wife with staffers. Interns. Wasn't making jokes about that. Now, Johnny Bongioni, he could sit and say, yeah, those without the first, without sin, 
cast the first stone, go ahead. It doesn't change the fact, bro, that you're a punchline. You have become a punchline. And that's okay. There's some people who can embrace that and absorb it. <laughs> no, he's John is peewee in this instance. I mean, keep in mind, a good comedian gets ahead of it. And Pee Wee did as best as could happen under, under the circumstances because he was ruined. His show, the TV show, Pee Wee Herman show, can't, the time of day it came on, it was clearly geared for, I used to get up early Saturday morning or Sunday morning to watch it. It was clearly geared for children. Clearly. Plenty of adults watched it, but it was clearly geared for children. The adults I knew who watched it had been up all night, so they were drug addicts. But that wasn't a large portion of the audience. They were Pee Wee lunch boxes. They had Pee Wee Herman toys and dolls. Kids loved it. So we saw a man faced with complete and total loss of future earnings. He got as well ahead of it as well. I mean, were it to be me, will you say, hey, like that, that ex-girlfriend of Jeff Monson's, fighter Jeff Monson, who sent me photos of her and Jeff having sex and Jeff jumping around their bedroom naked, things I also never, ever wanted to see. I mean, I can't imagine somebody has pictures like that of me, they put them out there. I, You know, it wouldn't embarrass me. I don't think my kids need to see me jumping around naked, but considering that I'm an oxbow, they've already seen me jumping around naked, and considering they're my kids, they've been seeing me strutting around the house naked anyway. So... What's the difference? You got to get a perspective and get ahead of these things. However, with Johnny Boney Joni, something else has happened. His defense, his defense was the quarantining was making me crazy. Oh, that's what it was. <laughs> he just got off of probation January 8th. This was the first time in 14 months that he hasn't had a fight book booked. <laughs> Driving Miss Miss Bonesy with, with Mayhem Miller as a personal driver. That's that's called fear and loathing in Las Vegas, my friend. So let's go through it like better call Saul style. Let's go through it. The insurance charge is a bunk charge anyway, because it wasn't that he didn't have insurance, it's just they didn't have proof. He could have left it in the wallet in his other pants. He could have left it in the trunk. He forgot. It could have been anywhere. Drop it. Wave it. Drop it. It still exists. If he got into an accident, he could have called Farmers or State Farm or Allstate, and they, they would have covered it. So that's, yeah, you're supposed to have it with you at all times. Sometimes that doesn't happen. You don't put it in the car. It's in a bag. You know, you don't know. So that's gone. Johnny Boney Joni. Tells a person who was in the car with him, don't worry about this. I'll cover you for this. You take the gun charge. Or maybe it was their gun. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> actually, actually, given that mayhem is mayhem, they would be fighting themselves before the evening was out. Okay, so once you deal with the drug charge, once you deal with the gun charge, what, what do you have left? You got DWI, and, uh, and he's got priors. So clearly, in a lot of other places, as far as I know, I'm not strong on this, on this law. Uh, oh, is Trump on now? Well, <laughs> listen, if, <laughs> if you got to go to listen to Trump, you got to go. I think second offense, they take your license away. <laughs> yeah, he got scared. They take your license away. So he can't drive. You put the guy in jail again? Well, for what? This is who are you trying to make happy? If it was just some jerk off who had a little bit of money, could hire a decent attorney, you, you would not send the guy to jail. Take his license away. 
and you find the fuck out of him. Because this sets him up again. Next time I see him behind the wheel, he loses the vehicle and he goes to jail. Question is, does this have any bearing on his professional life, a la Pee Wee Herman? Now, I have to tell you, when I was in Texas and called up Malky to interview Johnny Boney Joni, Malky couldn't have been nicer. I've talked to a lot of people in MMA, managers, so on. I got a good feeling from the guy. I know this guy, whatever. I, look, I, I read just like the rest of you. I'm just telling you, human to human, man to man, guy seemed like a decent guy. Decent guy. Oh my God, I'm just telling you the vibe. Johnny Boney Joni gets on the phone and and is this weird kind of um, son of a minister thing. Now he can hear my voice. He doesn't, he, what does he know about me based on my voice? Well, he doesn't know that I'm African American. He doesn't know that I'm older. All he knows is I'm a journalist. But he doesn't know that I'm a journalist who, who, who's got a lot of skin in the game. He doesn't know that I'm an MMA journalist as well as a real journalist. He thinks because it's V Magazine, Men's Vogue, or whatever the hell I did it for, he thinks that like maybe I'm a tourist. And I'm talking to... Based on my questions, he quickly figures out that that I'm not just a tourist, that I pay attention to MMA. So now I kind of fit in this weird space like I'm a sports writer. And by the end uh, of it, he's figured out, based on some of the things I've said, that I'm African-American as well and that I'm older. So rather than, rather than as the interview go, goes on, rather than him increasing his level of his level of comfortability increased over the course of the interview, which is probably about an hour, but his also with the comfortability came, came a diminution of the, of the respect that was initially in place. I mean, I think and actually in the early part of the interview, he was calling me saying, yes, sir. No, sir. And by the end of the interview, naturally, because I saved the harder questions for the end, so if the guy flips out, I still have an interview. He got a little churlish is the word, churlish. Which I didn't mind. But it is clear to me that based on, based on the, the book ends of this interview, that we have go back to the Pascal wager chart. We have four different types, four different types of men here. Based on this kind of model of, you know, of the son, son of ministers. And by the end, it wasn't like, 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 uh, uh, what's this dude's name? Uh, uh, Rashad Evans said, it wasn't like, oh, you guys, you got the fake face. It wasn't that at all. There are many facets to all of our personalities. But one is the one that we go to sleep with. And one is the one that we wake up, we wake up. And the reason the only people I know that find themselves perpetual punchlines, and it's not even Pee Wee Herman has not even been a perpetual punchline. The only person that I I had I had I had uh, a daughter, and she asked me about one of her boyfriends. Why don't you like so and so? He's been nothing but nice to you. Why don't you like him? And I looked her in the face and I said, You want to know why? Honest to God, why? Because the guy is a perpetual fuck up. I know plenty of people who've been stopped by the police. I know plenty of people who have fallen asleep in their cars. I know plenty of people who have been um, arrested for things that the police have found in their cars. But I don't know very few people I know who have been driving in cars, inebriated, falling asleep in those cars on the side of the road, waking up to the police and having pills under the seat that they didn't have a prescription for and going to jail for. Yeah, I already talked about blow. 
Moreover, if I got stopped by the police and I had some pill on the floor and the cop says, what is that? I would easily say Advil. Even if it wasn't Advil or aspirin. Or I had my doctor friend was in the car. I just dropped him off and he had his medical bag here. I don't know what it is. And neither do you because you're not a medical authority. I take a field sobriety test. You could test me for that. It's not on my system. Yet one of her boyfriends did go to jail for this. And that's even if it was a whole story. Perpetual fuck up. But what does it take to be a perpetual fuck up? And therefore, consequently, a perpetual punchline. I don't want to ascribe psychological motive to somebody who I've not examined, and I'm not in a position to examine anybody because I'm not a medical, a, a, a mental health professional. But if you look at Johnny Boney Joni's life, his brothers were the star of the family for a long time. They're both two brothers playing, the older brothers play in the NFL. You know how great you have to be to play in the NFL? I've had friends who played in the NFL, and they were pretty phenomenal guys physically. I mean, you know, just goofing off playing Frisbee with these cats or playing rugby, as the case may have been. I would see them do stuff that normal humans are not able to do. With my grandson, I mean, he's clumsy. <laughs> But I've been seeing him physically do stuff that kids that age don't do. And part of the reason he's clumsy is because like his father, he's like, going, 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 going. Clumsy is the wrong word. It sounds pejorative. But, you know, he's, he's not careful. As a kid, I was very deliberative. I, like I can literally count the number of times I actually fell in a significant, physically significant way and hurt myself. I was very careful. So Johnny Boney Joni, family order, young, he, he, or I mean, I, I don't know if he's the youngest or in the middle, but he um, he was the screw-up. His other brothers went traditional route, colleges, professional football, phenomenal. And he says that his brothers used to beat him, you know, and they, they would wrestle and they, they would beat him, but not him. Nope. I mean, he, he, went, he, was, he was a junior college Greco, Greco champion, a JC. In no way traditional, just kind of, just kind of listless, aimless. As a parent, I got to tell you, that's a, the, the, your, big, your biggest fear and your biggest curse with your kids. Yeah, so he's the youngest. And they say often the youngest kid is the least paid attention to. My youngest kid complains, goes, where are the photos of me as a kid? Well, you know, by the time you got two other kids and you got three kids total, your parents are kind of burned out. They're not taking as many photos of you. But the biggest concern as a parent is that your kids end up just listless drifters. I told my kids, I'm not like these other Palo Alto parents who will say, Oh my God, if you're not a doctor or a lawyer, then I'm, I'm miserable. No, 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 I'm not gonna say this. I just want you to be happy and self-supporting. Happy and self-supporting. There's no pressure from me, though they my middle kid denies this. There's no pressure for me to do anything else. Just happy and self-supporting. I'd like you to be working up to your talents, your potential and your skills that's fine. What happy, self-supporting. But he was never that guy. He was never that guy. And the miss clears, and he's fighting Stefan Bonner and throwing him around around the, 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 the uh, octagon like a rag doll. And all of a sudden, people are like, Oh, my God. This is your thing. He had a rock and roll fantasy moment. Is there anybody in the audience who can play guitar? Yes, I can. It's a part of his rock and roll dream.
Now, you might expect me at this point in time to say, and he wasn't prepared. That's not significant. <laughs> I'm not taking any of the heat off of him. I'm not taking any of the weight off of him. Because I don't care if you were prepared. You know, you think Tom Cruise was prepared? He did taps. I did Leonard Part 6. Suppose what had happened to Tom Cruise after taps happened to me after Leonard Part 6. You consider that I was prepared? You're not prepared. You know, Brad Pitt, he didn't grow up wanting to be an actor. He's like, ah, people say I'm pretty and take pictures, whatever. I don't know. Remember Thelma Louise, bit part. Prepared. You don't get prepared for this stuff. The people, you, you know, Victoria Beckham has been trying to prepare for a certain kind of, it's a celebrity that's eluded her after the, the Spice Girls. Ah, whatever. Prepared. You don't get, you don't get that kind. And you're also at 31, not able to use a Tyson excuse. Broken home, famous at 18. What the fuck? Okay. So now this perpetual punchline is in places where, you know, uh, he's on Kimmel. He's on Fallon, where uh, Rolling Stone is, V Magazine is interviewing him, that people are putting him in fashion spreads and, and celebrities are wanting to hang out with him and his, his fighting fans because of stuff he does in the cage. How long do you think, how long do you think that he, he should be allowed to not get it? Because I think you can break his career into three sections. I'd say the last, the last tranche of trouble was, was it. That was the part, the last time I was willing to give him credit for not being able to get it. Now, when you gamble with the possibility of losing stuff, and given the doldrums that MMA is in, if you read John Nash's bit on how much MMA has lost with the coronavirus shutdown, you, can, you, you have a pretty clear understanding that whatever kind of punishments are meted out to, to Johnny Bonagione are not going to be super significant at this point in time, not by my lights. can't with the mcnuggets thing you just can't you, you, you just can't you, you, you this is all decks on, all hands on deck you can't maybe they yanked the guy's belt around that's significant that, that, that would make the belt less significant yeah and reyes can fight uh 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 who's the cat uh oh my god who's the cat with the hammer on his chest who got his legs broken up by johnny jones what the hell's his name again no, Tiago. Yeah, I, I got my bathrobe on. Can you see what it says? A, a, a wedding present for my lovely wife, or a birthday present, a Christmas present. So they let those guys fight. They give him the belt, and then he fights one of them again in the rematch. Doesn't give him what he needs. That year where he fought Shogun Hua. And Leota Machida, that was that was a year of him waking up into a new world. Yeah, Thiago Santos. Yeah. Now, now at this point, it's just this is it, it's it's not a character he's become. It's his character. It's who he is. It's who he's been as a son of a minister. Who he's been. The hope is that he would have escaped from that. No chance. No chance. No matter where you go, there you are. And that's where he is. He carries a weight for this. How do I feel? Like a friend of mine once said in the early days of, of uh, people hooking up on, on, on Craigslist, and he got into something with some woman, and she was like, I don't know that. And, and he says, listen, you're just an email address to me. Let's have that easy Andy moment from Taxi Driver and realize there's no reality to any of this. My feelings about Johnny Boney Joni are completely neutral. I feel sorry for a guy who's now a perpetual, perpetual punchline. I am not interested in seeing a return of the guy who, who I thought in a very clever way, but still in a very studied, chest-fueled way, 
eked out wins over over Santos and Reyes. And I do not think those guys, if in rematches, will get as close again, much like Gustafson. The reality of it is, you know, it could be, and this is the only thing that will be sound like it's in defense of Johnny Boney Joni. It could be the case that that he has done what what existentially we come to fighting to not have done. And that's that he's seen the future. I mean, we're focused on the micro. He could be focused on the macro. And, and sometimes we'll pull back. Like now at the end of the show, I'm pulling back and going, what is, what's left for him? A bunch of suitors. Santos again? Seriously, he's in that Floyd Mayweather space. Of how many hip-hop records am I going to make? The youngest, drift, drifting, aimless. Not it's not self-esteem. It, 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 in other words, if you if your esteem should be here, but it's here, that's low self-esteem. But if your esteem was always here, that's not low self-esteem. That's just your esteem. So in other words, I don't think he doesn't think he's great. I think in actual fact, he thinks he's pretty good. But everybody else is, I mean, he's a sensation addict. And how does he fill that gap between everybody else being just okay and him being good? And how do you, is greatness even a consideration? No, because his father occupies some sphere of greatness above him in his head, you know, in the, in the super ego way that Freud might consider it. But he's bored. He see he, he gave it in his defense, which was probably one of the more truthful things he said. I was going out of my mind because he's bored. He's gonna stay at home and do what? The bald one himself said, "I don't read." The bald one doesn't read. Imagine that. What are you gonna do? I'm a homebody. I could easily stay in this bathroom for the next five months and I'd be happy. I miss doing jujitsu. That wouldn't make me happy. I kind of like going outside to run every now and then and doing jujitsu. Outside of that, perfectly happy. Not bored at all. I got projects. I'm a writer. Give me a pencil, piece of paper, put me in a room. I'm going to be happy. I was hanging out at home. It's not like he doesn't know. He is doing what the dog does when I put that porterhouse steak on the floor. And I don't want to say he can't help it. Because it, the dog doesn't think that way. <laughs> the dog doesn't think, oh, my God, I can't help it. I got to eat the porterhouse steak. The dog never thinks that way. The dog thinks, oh, my God, porterhouse steak. All right. Only if you bring a, a level of terror and pain. And in the case of the bald one, why would he? Why would he? It's clockwork orange time. Why would you make that guy other than that which he is? It creates a kind of a PR problem for you. That's pretty minor league. That's pretty freaking minor league compared to what the guy brings. We spent the whole show talking about him. That's what he brings. He fights Stipe Miocic. Is, any, is there any other fight that Stipe has that any of us are interested in, really? Want to see him rematch with DC, the now 41-year-old DC? That's what some guy said on Twitter. I thought it cracked me up. He goes, I, there's not a towel heavy enough to get to get DC back down to light heavyweight. I think he's wrong, but it's, that was very funny. There, there's there's got to be a time when you stop subjecting people the tyranny of your expectations and I say that with humans all the time because I find the people who I care about around me I want them to do more I want them to do it yes I want them to be happy and self-supporting but I'm talking about friends of mine I remember a friend of mine was in a great position I, you gotta these guys you, he, this dentist really fucked them up I go you gotta sue this guy and this is what we're gonna do and here I am with my head full of ambition about ways that this guy could could take two nickels and make a dime and make a dime into a dollar and finally, he's just like, I'm not you, Eugene. I can't do this. 
and he didn't. And I remember I had to I had to cool out. I had to not talk to him for a little bit. And then I realized, why am I punishing him for my ambition? The guy doesn't want to sue the dentist. He doesn't want to take a shot. He doesn't want to step in the cage. Why do I care? Johnny Boney Joni owns it. He owns it. He realizes what he has to lose, and he does it anyway. Because it doesn't matter to him. It's not low self-esteem. The esteem is here. And in those spaces between it, he is trying to fill up his days, or like Lou Reed said, a derivation of what Lou Reed said, I'm just trying to make the rent. In this instance, he's he's not worried about his rent. And this is he's just trying to get through the day. You open your eyes in the morning, you know you're going to close them at night. What do you fill that time up with in between? I got tons of stuff. I got to put together a garment rack. I got to take apart a shelf. I got to move it here. I got to get a nursery ready for the baby. I got to, you know. The wife is going to do some kind of pole thing later. That I got I got tons of, I got to, I got to move in two cubic yards of dirt, soil and some wood chips. It's raining, so I can't. I got I got lots of stuff to do. And it amuses me to do all of it. I got a ba- two bags full of mail I got to go through. Are there bills in there? I don't know. I create porter sticks for myself. Johnny Boney Joni, do I feel sorry for him? No. I feel sorry for somebody. I feel sorry for me. Because I'm not a multi-millionaire who's got time enough to go having such a good time. I got to bust shots off of my Jeep. How many days after he gets out of probation? (laughs) Oh, my God. Is it stupid? Yeah, but that's not the point. It was never done to be smart. This guy is in the midst of an existential struggle and the family order that dictates he's always been the fuck up, always will be the fuck up. And what he's earned for his trouble right now has been perpetual punchline. And to me, that's the worst part about it. Because no matter who you're talking to, when you're talking to him from now on for the rest of all eternity, you're talking to media figures and they're looking at you and go, oh, I wonder how he's going to fuck up again. <laughs> oh, man. We can say, speak to the mic. What is he gonna, he gonna get caught in the movie jerking theater jerking them? No, gonna be no. It's it, it it is a modern derivation of the boy who cried wolf, because at some point you don't want to be a perpetual punchline. Why? Because at some point you might want to say something that's not really funny, and you might want to be taken seriously. My house is on fire. <laughs> look at that! Look at that guy. He fucked up. It's out. no, no, no. My house is actively on fire. <laughs> that guy. He's such a fuck up. His house is. No, man, my house is burned down. I, I really, I need some help. <laughs> he was probably drunk when he did it. Look at him. He's really drunk. You might actually need the help. Or like they said, uh, Ian Mackay says, you might need him in the end. Something wrong, something right. I came to dance, you came to fight. If I, if I got nothing to fear, because I know my friends are here. Don't fight trouble. Trouble fights me. I need my friends in emergency, right? That's why... <laughs> It causes people to 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 not see you clearly. But don't worry, Johnny Boney Joni. I see you clearly. I'm taking a real good look at your face. What am I? I'm a supporter. Supporter, but not a nut jumper, not an apologist. Not a fanboy, a supporter. Like, in other words, if you take away the cage, you know, I support you. You don't turn that key in the ignition, I support you. You turn that key in the ignition, go fuck yourself. Yeah, <laughs> when are you going to fight Chris White? <laughs> the white ass, smiling. And the horrible thing about this, and then I'm going to end it. The horrible thing about this is, you know, at least 50% of the people always expected this of you. We always knew you would fail, Johnny. We always knew you would fail. What was it? We always knew you would fail, but never quite so spectacularly. 50%. And the other 50% now expect that you will perpetually fail. 
Punchline Perpetual. Kind of a crappy place to be. But if I'm going to feel sorry for somebody, I'm going to feel sorry for me and my lack of financial resource. Eh. You, my, my friend, you made it. Now, if you could just figure out what to do with yourself other than making another hip-hop record, you'd be great. And that's, that's a metaphor. I don't even think that you have musical talent, but you know what I'm saying. Anyway, that's the end. It's 107 of the Eugene S. Robinson Show Stomper. Tuesday night, 8 o'clock. We, uh, we have uh, If the Shoes Fit. And by that time, I will have watched the second generation of the hip-hop evolution. And we're going to do uh, half an hour on the Let It Roll podcast. To get that, Yeah, I think they, they structured it so that you have to give a dollar uh, to If the Shoes Fit. And then you get, to, you get access to you know, Let It Roll for free. There's no fights to talk about, so there's no Care Don't Care preview. If you follow me on at Eugene S. Robinson on Twitter, you will see the articles that, that, that I write. I think the sex column actually has not been put out yet, probably tomorrow. And any articles I write or articles that, that, I, that I dig uh, go up that, that are brand consistent. They sometimes ask me to put out stuff uh, that's, that I don't think is really brand consistent, you know. It's like I got, you know what? I'm pretty much pretty sure that nobody who listens to my show, who likes Oxbow, who likes Oxbow and listens to the show, gives two goddamns about John Legend. Outside of the fact that you've heard me talk about John Legend on this show, where he said he was going to take care of me, <laughs> he's had to get tough. He doesn't know me. He heard about me through some some woman, common woman friend of ours, and uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I got that, Stacy. Easy of some kind. We're talking about that, but he uh, <laughs> he uh, threw a comment friend. She was complaining about me. He was like, "Oh yeah, well, you tell me who he is. I got some. We'll, we'll go take care of him. Softest guy in hip hop is gonna take care of me. I love that. He's gonna come over and give me some earth tones, lap song, shoe song, tea. Gonna do manicure, give me some cucumber eye wraps. What, how you gonna take care? How's that guy gonna take care of me?" Anyway, uh, if it's not if it's brand consistent, I tweeted out at Eugene S. Robinson, uh, Mr. Sleep Three. I haven't really figured out Instagram to the extent that sometimes uh, I'm letting people follow me, and then it shows it again that I had that they unfollow that they have unfollowed that Instagram has somehow unfollowed me. Maybe there's an upward limit. I don't know. I didn't think so. Can't figure it out. But it is gate kept because some of this stuff has to be gate kept. But Mr. Sleep, the number three. Instagram, uh, Twitter, at UGS Robinson. You all should know that stuff anyway. But anyway, we'll see you next week. God willing, take care of yourselves. Stay inside. Wash your hands. I love it now that everybody's as paranoid about other humans as I am. It's great. I had to go shopping and people are scurrying around and I'm like, yeah, this is how I feel always. I don't want to be near you. Anyway, that's the end of the show. Thanks for listening. Take care of yourself. Don't die. God willing, we'll see you soon. Look what you made me do!